Welcome to Thrive Church Online. We are here to know God, to grow in Him, and go. We hope you feel encouraged and equipped through this week's message. Gonna be a good day. It'll be fun. We got Jesus and SpongeBob. Don't get any better than that. Man, we're in a series called Don't Take the Bait. Um, I love it. Y'all crushed today. Hey, do y'all know that first song Liz wrote like during that Shallow series? Uh, her and, and JC. Um, I think she wrote the lyric and JC came up with the chords or whatever. Uh, melody, sound, whatever. Good prayer. Good playing. DJ smoked that guitar part too. Isn't it? <laughs> I taught him how to do that. No, I'm just kidding. I have no sense of rhythm at all. It's a, it's a thing. Uh, it's, a, it's a challenge that I have. Um, but yeah, we've been in a, in a series called Don't Take the Bait. Uh, man, next week is Father's Day, by the way. Uh, bring your dad back to church. Um, if you can't bring your dad, bring somebody's dad. Find a random dad that is looking for a family and adopt them. Some of y'all's daddies need to be in church. Some of us daddies need to be in church. It's not them. Can I be honest? Man, I'm going to... I'm going to take a quick divergent. Um, one of the scriptures I had wrestled with uh, most of my life was this scripture where it says um, that people will approach the throne room of God for, for at the end of time, and they'll say, um, Jesus will look at them and say, man, depart from me, I never knew you. And they'd say, but man, we cast out demons and we did all this stuff in your name. And Jesus is like, yeah, but I don't really know you. And that troubled me for a long time because my, my greatest fear is like not to please God, right? To like get in the presence of God and him be like, hey, you, this ain't it. And so this last week I did a thing. Um, week one in our series, we talked about sin. And we said that three things have to be present for you to sin. I, I'll just a quick recap. One is that um, temptation has to exist for you to eat at a table of sin. Um. If you figure out a way to get rid of temptation, please let me and God know because it's always going to be there. You're always going to be tempted with stuff. Um, second is you have to have desire. There's got to be something inside of you that wants to sin. And people go, not me. Yeah, you. Jesus, The Scripture says this. It says, man, he who says that he doesn't sin is a liar. Don't lie to yourself. Man, the worst person you can ever lie to is you. And then, so we know we have to have temptation. We know we have to have desire. And the third thing is we got to have time to do it. You ever got ready to go off and cuss a, a blue streak, but you're at work and you know they'll fire you? So you're like, man, I can't do that. I'm at work because time isn't there. So you've got two components, but the third one will not allow you to sin because it's the wrong time. You ever been in a family event? I don't want to sin anymore sometimes than when I'm around extended family. Because everybody has that one relative that will push your button. Some of us, the Lord blesses with multiple people. And some of the people aren't bad by themselves, but when you mix them together, I'm just saying there are opportunities that, where you may desire to sin. Um, one of, the, one of the, the examples that I gave was I said, man, have you ever gotten drunk to like you threw up? I said that first service and everybody's like, what is this alcohol you speak of? Okay. <laughs> It's a thing. Um, but have you, ever, have you ever had the temptation to drink 
and you had the desire to drink, but you remembered what it was like, and, and you had the time to drink, but you remember what it was like, and all of a sudden the desire gets unscrewed off the table. So anytime you really want to avoid sin, all you've got to do is take one leg off the table. If, if the desire's there and the temptation's there, then I have to change my opportunity. I have to change my time. And if, if I've got time and I've got temptation, but I don't really desire it, then I'm still probably in a safe space. Now, that, that analogy did not get me in trouble, but a lot of people remembered it. So my hope is every time I preach, it's sticky. Um, I want it to be sticky to the point where you can't get rid of it. Anybody ever, anybody ever messed with a pine tree and you get that, that sap on your hand and you wash it and like they feel clean underwater, so then you dry it and like the t- paper towel sticks to If not, watch National Lampoon's Christmas Festival. You'll understand... I'm not saying all that scriptural, but you'll understand the sap part. But my point is just this is that I want messages to be where, where you can't really get rid of them. Like every time you see a table, you're reminded of freedom from sin. So last week we were talking and we said, man, I, I'm not really a fisherman. I try a little bit. Um, but if you're a bass fisherman, uh, there are these purple, uh, th- th- we use artificial lures, worms. And we don't make them like worms, like you see worms. We make them like purple and yellow and sparkly. Let me say this. If you ever move a rock at your house, and there's a sparkly worm under it, sell your house. That's not normal. You live in Chernobyl, right? Like, But somewhere, somebody threw a, a plastic worm in the water and started fishing with it, and somewhere this dumb bass looked at it and went, never seen a sparkly worm before. Wonder how it tastes. Bam, and he got hooked, right? And what we said this is that don't let your dumb bass help you make dumb decisions. Now, here's the problem. A lot of, a, I, our church loved it. Um, a lot of sinners loved it. I, I literally had people call me and go, dude, that made so much sense. Uh, however, a lot of religious people, uh, pastors and whatnot, called me and were very upset with it. And can I just say this? Um, I don't really care. Uh, one, I'm not their pastor. And the second thing is I answer to God and not people. So. Um, if you think that's bad, David said this, if you think I'm undignified now, just wait. Um, we, I, I, I prepped part of our leadership team this morning and just said, um, in that, I, I really took a step back and said, Lord, you know, if I'm wrong, show me. That's always the first step, man. Never, never get criticism that you don't filter. Um, but the Lord looked at me and said, well, what's the point? And Acts said this, um, I created you to reach Gentiles. Gentiles are the unbeliever. We're not a church for churchy people. If you want to be real churchy, I will help you. There are, there are a thousand churches in Alamance County that you'll be really comfortable in. This one just ain't going to be it. Uh, we are that church. We're that church that's going to push the buttons. We're going to push the boundaries. We're probably going to make some people mad. Hopefully when, when, when I die, the devil will be like, whew. He's out of the way, and then he'll turn around and look at the rest of the church and go, crap. <laughs> because we've raised up a generation of people that don't really care what the world says. Because the part of the reason the world's in the shape it sins, people started not looking at sin as sin. And the church got the church won't talk about things, so the world does. So when you only have one person talking, you listen to the narrative, right? So anyway, so um, I'm gonna take you back to that scripture. And so here's here's what I came to: that when people stood before Jesus. And they said, Lord, Lord, um, you know, uh, did, 
I cast out demons in your name. I did all this stuff for you. And he said, man, depart from me. I never knew you. Here's the thing. Jesus has always had more of an issue with religious people than he ever did sinners. Come on, somebody better say amen. Listen, if you're struggling because you're a sinner, Jesus hung out with people like us. What he wrestled with was people that became pious in their theological stances and started using $50 words. Jesus said the simple things of God will confound the wisest of men. I don't have to talk in big words because I have a hard time turning the other cheek. Okay, so now we're going to figure out how to get off the hook because that may have been a soapbox of mine. So get ready. The churches get, but look, we're going to challenge some people. We may grow down before we grow up, but I promise you this, when we, when we come up, we'll come up with an army of people that will change the world. Um, so here we go. So we said, man, you know, take one of the legs off the table of your sin and don't follow stupid stuff because anytime you follow a fake, any, anytime I've fallen for a trick of the devil, it's always been a fake version of what I was really looking for. When I said dumb bass, that was what I meant. It, I always, when I got done and I came through the other side and the Lord showed me that, it, that I was following sin, I always went, I knew better than that. That was just dumb. And so this week, what I want to do is I just want to take a minute and I want to talk about, man, like, so, so like, what happens when we take the bait? Because you're going to. And I thought, we started with the table, then we went to Dumbass. What's the next logical place that the Lord would have us? And I landed the same place you did, SpongeBob. So um, let's watch this first clip, and uh, we're going to go on a journey together. Here we go. What do you know about what, Mr. Krabs? The hooks, we buckle. They're back. Beware the hooks. Uh-huh. Aye, the hooks. They tangle down and draw you close with their knees and sheets. So here's the reality. When I first watched that, I was like, man, this is the definition of sin. Hey, it's going to seem fun in the beginning. And then what happens is, before you know it, you're hooked. You're hooked into a lifestyle. You're hooked into a lie. You're hooked into a, into a way of, of living. Now, here's the thing. One, what we think is, is the worst thing that could happen is it would destroy our life. But what the enemy really wants to do, and we've seen it happen in church leaders, is he doesn't want to destroy just your life. He wants to use your life in a gift shop that other people can look at to destroy their lives. So what happens is this. If you've got your Bibles, uh, turn to Isaiah 57, 20 through 21, because the first thing you have to realize is this, is that sin always comes to rob. It's, Isaiah said this, but the wicked are like those are like the tossing sea, for it cannot be quiet. Its waters are tossed up in mire and dirt. There is no peace, says God, for the wicked. Man, you can, never, you can never live a life of peace and do wrong. You can't medicate your way out of it. You can't, you can't talk yourself out of it. You can't... Um, uh, what is the, the new thing where they're like, you know, you need to, you need to like think about it, project it, and then walk into it. It don't work. That's just called daydreaming. The only way that you can find real happiness is to leave sin. Well, yeah, but I like sin. I... Most of us do. There, there is an attractiveness about sin. But, but here's the problem, is that sin always hooks us and makes us a slave. 
Scripture says this in John 8.34, Jesus answered them and said, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. Here's the thing, man. We want sin to be the, the big four or five that we talk about in the church. We want it to be smoking, drinking, sex, music, and movies. If we can beat those five, can I be honest with you? There may be some legitimate points to that. Can I be honest? I think you can smoke and go to heaven. You're going to smell like smoke. People who've been at a barbecue, well, that's me. I'm the Marlboro man, right? I don't want to go through inter- you know. But, but here's the thing. I don't, think, I don't think that separates you from God. Um, can I be honest with you? I don't think if you watch John Wick 4, you're going to hell. I don't think those are the things that God really, really cares about. Here's I'll, I'll tell you what God does care about. And what do you what's the Holy Spirit convicting you about in this season? Maybe it's your mouth, maybe it's your temper, maybe it's the way you treat your wife, maybe it's the fact that you don't do a devotional or you don't attend church regularly or you like like what's the thing God's talking to you about? How about you lean into that for a moment because until you do, you're going to be a slave to the thing that you're doing. It's going to drive your life. Now, I'm not picking on smokers. If you're a smoker, I'm not saying it's a sin. But have you ever watched a smoker and you've been in the middle of doing something like, come out, come out, come out. I need a smoke break. Now, I'll just say this. i got a family member, and I won't tell you who it is, but it's Brandon. Um, don't let him get hangry. You seen the Snickers commercial? That's him. All the, all the, he just, so when like, we're working on something and he starts getting ill, I'm like, hey, let's go, let's go get some food. Because here's the thing, what you don't control will inevitably control you. If you can't control your sin, I'm going to make you a promise. Your sin will control you. Um, Romans 6.16 says this, Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are the slave to the one who you obey? Either sin, which leads to death, or, the, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness. Here's, here's what he's saying. Uh, Paul's writing this, and he said this. He said, you're going to be a slave to something. The question is, what are you, what are you going to serve? If you, choose to, if you choose to follow the ways of this world, you will become a slave to sin. However, if you choose to follow God, you will become a slave to God. You will do what God says to do, when He says to do it, how He says to do it, whether you like it or not. I need you to say this, whether I like it or not. Can I say this? God does not care if you like it or not. It's all what's best for you. My wife for 30 years wanted me to eat green beans. I hate green beans. I will not eat them on a boat. I will not eat them. In a, I will not eat them, Sam. I, am. I just don't like. But I kept pressing. And finally, I found a way and a style that I can eat green beans because they're really good for me. And sometimes what God wants us to do is press into the things that He wants us to do because we know they're right to do, even if they're not comfortable. It's kind of like going to the gym or or beginning to eat right. It's never comfortable in the beginning. Uh, Scripture says no discipline seems good at the moment, but in time is profitable. So we sit there and we go, we go, man, here's the reality. What are you a slave to today? Are you a slave to the things of God? Are you a slave to the sins and your own desires and your own lusts and your own wants and your own needs? 
you slave to what God really wants out of your life? Let's take a look at the next clip. You just jump off before you go up too high. Mr. Krabs said I shouldn't get near those things. Did he say you shouldn't climb on top of them and ride them like a horse? Well, no. I guess he didn't. <laughs> so here's the yeah, that's an awesome clip in it. So so here's the thing. How many of us spend our life trying to play with sin? We don't want to do enough to get hooked. We just want to do enough to have fun. And I love the way Patrick kind of sounded like the devil in the garden. He's like, well, did God really say don't do that? Or did He say it's okay to do this? I, lo- I used to love being a student pastor because every teenage question was this. Hey, how far is too far? How far can I go before we actually sin? Anybody remember asking that question when you were driven maybe a little bit more by hormones or maybe you still are and you're like, you're like, man, how far, how close can it's, it's, it's like, man, I personally, man, you can leave the church over this if you want to. I don't, I don't, I think if you want to have a drink, it's great, but drunkenness is a sin. Like there's a difference between boyish behavior and men behavior uh, because men are generally the one that fall into this. It's, it's kind of like watching TV, man. I don't think God cares if you watch TV, but if you start flicking Cinemax on, it's time to grow up. Cancel the channel and do what's right. I mean, let's be honest. You don't have to have Cinemax now. All you got to do is have an iPhone. Or an Android. Like, it isn't even specific. You ever? My wife pointed this out. Ever find it ironic that the Apple has a bite out of it? Because I think this. I think that, that, that when we used to focus on the big five that we talked about of being sin, the reality of it is, is anything the devil can use as a hook. And so... The question is not, how close can I get to sin? The question is, man, what are the boundaries that God has really put in my life? Because here's the thing. Did you understand that God wanted you to enjoy the the earth and the fruits therein? All of this is under our domain. God meant for you to enjoy every moment of your life. I've come to give you life and life more abundant. I've come to give you life that overflows. That's one of the reasons he really struggles with religion is because, man, religion is is restrictive and will choke you out. But relationship will cause you to make decisions that you would have never made before. Let me show you how it works. You're a single dude. You spend money on cars and food. Then you get a girlfriend. The world changes. You don't have money for your truck anymore. A couple of days you skip and... Some guy in here, give me a witness. And God help you if you're buying a diamond. You selling something like a kidney or a... I mean, I already cost you a rib. I'm just saying women are expensive. So then you get married, and now you have to make decisions like this. You know what? Let me talk to my wife about that because I'm not sure what our plans are. Let me, right, you begin to consider somebody else. Then you have a baby. You ain't staying up till midnight anymore. Look, I ain't seen a ball drop since my son was like three. Because here's what I figured out. After the ball drops, and I go to bed, yay, it's a new year. I get up, the calendar changes, but that that little fella's still getting up at 4 a.m. Can I get a witness from a parent? You like, I see it in the morning. It's 9 o'clock. It's bedtime. Everybody (laughs) shut the lights off. Come on. Because things change based on relationships. 
Matter of fact, Hebrews says this. He said, man, he said, sin brings temporary, temporary pleasure, but it doesn't bring fulfillment. Relationship brings fulfillment. Hebrews 11.25 says this, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasure of sin. It says this, man, sin's going to bring you pleasure for a little while. Why do they say that, that, that drug addicts chase the dragon? Because once you have that first high, there's never going to be another high that's as good as the first one. Man, once you have that, once you have that first ten drinks, you're never going to be able to experience it quite the same. So next time it's got to be eleven, or it's got to be. Where's the end of that? What God said is this: He said, "Man, He said you can't, you can't satisfy holes in your heart by hooking yourself with other addictions that don't bring bring you real pleasure, that don't bring you real fulfillment." And so, what I think happens is this: is that that there's such a high cost of sin that. I love what, what Patrick did. He's like, woo, woo. And, and if you're really watching somebody do this, anybody ever watched, especially teenage boys are the best to watch. Um, they'll start doing something, and you know in about 20 minutes it's going to be stitches. You're not sure who it's going to be. We used to play with these things called lawn darts, um, and I don't mean the new ones. Uh, they used to have like a three-inch shaft on them. Any people in the room remember? And come on, you had, two, you had two round things, but if you were dudes, them round little plastic pieces that hooked together that were supposed to be the target, that lasted about three minutes. After that, there were six boys on this end, six boys on this end. We're going to see who can throw them the highest towards the other group of boys. I've looked for a set. If anybody has a set in their garage, I will buy them. I didn't know they were illegal to buy now, but... Uh, or if you're watching online, you can send them to Thrive Church. Anyway, um, <laughs> my point is, so one day me and my friends were out, and we were playing lawn darts, and one of my buddies just rips one up in the air, and we're like, oh my gosh. But it went like this. All the way into the roof of his parents' house. Because here's the thing, what's fun right now, but out of control, will end up costing you more than you ever thought. It cost him about half the summer. Because that was how long it was for his parents let him go back out into the daylight. <laughs> Romans 6.23 says this, For the wages of sin is death. There's always a consequence to your sin. But the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. He said this, he said, man, he said, you've got a choice to either accept the counterfeit that was destined for the enemy to put on your life or accept the destiny that God has, which is a free gift. Anytime you do things God's way, it always works out better. Not easier, just better. No discipline at the time seems beneficial, but in season it reaps a reward. Man, it's, it's about consistently, man, I'm just going to follow the Lord and I'm going to quit taking every hook that comes my way. So, so we look and, and we hear, we hear Mr. Crab, and he goes, hey, be careful, there are all these hooks out there. And I think that's the message that we've all heard most of our life in church. And then when you see SpongeBob do it, you're like, what an idiot, right? How could, we, how could he get talked into doing something? Man, I get talked into doing dumb things all the time. And most of the time, it's not by somebody else. I will talk me into doing dumb in a minute. Any guy ever walked out and your wife's been like, um, honey, that's probably not safe. I had a nail gun a couple weeks ago, like upside down, hanging by something, getting ready. And we took the safety off of it. And my wife's like, is that safe? And I'm like, am I a guy? And she's like, okay, I'm going in. <laughs> Scream if you need me. So you get, you get this moment where we know what we're doing is wrong, but we begin to get talked or talking ourselves 
into doing stuff we shouldn't. So what happens when we actually get hooked? Let's take a look. that the way it works? I love it. You're a liar. Is this seat taken? Sure. Here's the reality. Most of us have had that moment. And then we run back to God with the hook stuck in us. Now, first of all, God said this. He said, I'm faithful and just to forgive you. There, there is a way off the hook, and it's through Jesus. Now, here's the thing. We think that that only means salvation. It doesn't. Jesus said this, my, my mercy for you is new every day. He said, man, when you get up, my mercies are waiting on you. Why? Because you're probably going to need them. Now, Scripture says this in Romans 6, 14. The first thing that happens is this, is, is when we get hooked, what we want to do is we want to begin to label ourselves as either tuna fish or we're going to the, we're going to the gift shop. Right? Either we've just ruined our own life or everybody's going to know that we ruined our life. Well, here's what Scripture says. Because if the enemy, if the enemy can't make you continually sin, what he'll want to do is make you think that your sin disqualifies you for your future. And here's what he says. He said, For sin will have no dominion over you, since you are not under the law, but under grace. God, what is grace? Grace is the unmerited favor of God towards you. He said, man, you got to understand this. You will not be defined by your sin. You will be defined by the call of God on your life if you lean into it. If that's what you choose to embrace. If that's what you choose to get hooked on. Because remember, you're going you're gonna to be a slave to something. If you, if you elect to willingly, because willingly we become a slave to sin, and willingly, be, willingly we become a slave to Jesus. But both have two dramatically different outcomes. As a matter of fact, um, Romans 6.22 says this, it says, but now that you've been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the fruit you get leads to the sanctification and its end, eternal life. He said this, he said, man, here's the thing. Um, remember a couple weeks ago I said, God said that you don't run away from something, which is what most Christians try to do. I'm going to stop cussing, drinking, smoking, chewing, run around with women that do, right? This is what I'm going to quit. You can't, that's not enough. It's like, I had a sister who's, who used to smoke, and I'm like, hey, you should really quit. She said, I can quit anytime I want to. I've quit 35 times. She's just going back to it. She said, thank God she's, she's quit now. I just think it's healthier for her. Again, I don't think it was a sin, but I can stop eating cheesecake anytime I want to. As soon as it runs out, I'll stop eating it. 
Here's what scripture says. Trying to, anybody ever had cheesecake call you from the fridge? I've had, I, 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 dang. Like, like, we need an AA meeting for cheesecake. Uh, I, got, I got women testifying and magnifying the Lord. Um, um, here's the thing though. You, you, it's hard to leave something. I'm just not going to eat cake. I'm going to let the kids eat it. I'm just not going to eat cake. I'm just not, I'm, okay, I'll just have one bite. Oh my God, I ate a piece. I'm up four pounds. The way it works, right? But if you go, you know what? I'm not. I'm not trying to leave this. I'm going to go to this. So rather than trying to leave cheesecake, I'm going to take this to my neighbor's house and bless them with it. Now I'm not trying to leave something. I'm trying to go to something. I'm trying to go to blessing rather than leaving the sin. Does this make sense? So, so what Jesus is saying is, look, you're no longer a slave to sin. Turn your back to it and worry about growing fruit, not about not sinning. Now somebody needs to hear that. Most of us spend our whole life going, quit sinning. That mean that okay, that sounds good. It just doesn't work. You're a living example that just willpower alone is not going to stop you from sinning. But when you go, you know what, I'm going to try not to sin, but really what I'm I'm going to try to do is I'm going to try to, I don't know, walk in joy. And we'll walk in peace. And I'm going to try to look more like Jesus. Now I'm walking towards what I'm trying to be, not walking away from what I'm trying not to be. Does this make any sense? Ever watch a new driver and they try to drive right over the hood of their car because they're afraid of hitting the ditch? Right as they drive into it? We literally had, had a kid this week try, about take out our sign. Um, they were student driver. and Oh man, according to the person who saw them, they came in hot, like the gravels and all. Like, oh, I thought we were going to have to call a tractor to smooth them out. It was bad. The dad kicked them out, made them sit in the back seat. Because here's, here's the reality. Something's going to control your life. And it's not enough to try not to wreck your life. You need to walk towards the call that God has on your life. And it'll be enough to keep you out of the ditch. If you start looking far enough ahead driving, you'll avoid so many more impacts than trying to drive over the nose of your car. So here's the reality. Um, th- so... The Lord says this, first of all, you need to recognize that sin has no power over you. The second thing you need to do is, is, is recognize that, that you have to lean into growing to leave sin. The third thing is this, is you have to live like it's new. Scripture says this in, in 2 Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, as long as they haven't done too much stuff wrong, as long as they're not too sinful, they're a new creation. It's not what Scripture says. It says, if anyone is in Christ, well, how do you get in Christ? Romans says this, that if a man believes in his heart and confesses with his mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, he shall be saved. That's, Jesus made the bar so low, anybody can step up on it. He said, but, he said, he said, anybody that makes that little step, you're now a new creation. But when was the last time you walked into your mirror and said, hey, I wonder how the new person is going to react to today? I mean, hey, last time I was in the interstate and somebody did that, I flipped them off. I called him everything but a child of God. But I wonder how the new me is going to create. This created is going to react to this. I wonder, I wonder how the new creature is going to do this. I wonder, what, I wonder what I look like now as a new mom. With way more patience. Way more kindness. Way more gentleness. Way more self-control. I wonder what that looks like. And I wonder what the new dad looks like. Because here's what it says. The next verse says this. The old 
has passed away. That old you is dead. If you will stop digging it up, it'll stay in the ground. Now, I had a golden retriever. I loved him. His name was Rusty. I had him for a long time. Rusty got cancer and passed away, and we, we buried him. Never one time did I go dig Rusty back up to play with him. Because it's futile. One, he stinks. He's decomposing, and he's full of death. Why do you keep digging that same version of you up every time you want to play? Does this make sense? You are a new creature that has a new call and a new, and a new um, place in life. Romans um, 6.23 says this. It says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Man, when are we going to lean in and really go, you know what, I'm going I'm to have this new life, and if I fall, I'm going to get back up and take a gift again. Oh man, I messed my life up. You know what, God? But I receive your forgiveness right now. I'm, I'm, you're letting me off the hook. I'm letting me off the hook. You know the hardest person to let off the hook is you. You want to judge you based on all your failures. And God wants to ba- judge you based on all His promises over your life. You know what? If I was just, if, I, if I'd have just been a better mom, if I'd have just been a better dad, if I'd have just been a better uh, employee, if I'd have just been, if I'd have just been, if I'd have, but the problem about making it you is the last time somebody talked about themselves that much, they were trying to overthrow the kingdom of God. Lucifer said, and I will exalt my throne, and I will, and I will, and I will. Anytime it's all about you and not about him in you, your focus is wrong. And you'll put yourself back on a hook that he's let you off of. Does this make any sense? So I sit there, and I, I can't help but wrapping up with this. John eight thirty six, one of my favorite scriptures. So if the sun sets you free, you're free indeed. The word deed is an action. You're really free. Go act like it. So how do I get off the hook? One, I repent. I turn to Jesus and go, look, man, I blew that. And that that doesn't just count like if you lied. That's like if you screwed your marriage up or if you screwed your health up or if you screwed your right. Like I'm talking to the alcoholic that's watching us today or the drug addict that's watching us today or the person who's addicted to pornography or the person who's addicted. You pick your addiction. Do you know the truth? Paul said this, we all have a sin that so easily besets us. We have a default that we go to when we're mad. I've, ne- I've never heard somebody get mad and, and like walk out on their wife and get in the car and slam the door and turn on K-Love. Father, I just worship you right now as I'm angry with my wife. No, 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 no kid ever, ever leaves their house mad at their parents, slams the door and begins to worship the Lord. You ever broke up with somebody and got in the car? Who were you listening to? Guarantee you what it wasn't. You know why? Because here's the thing. We like to feed our emotion. We like to feed our moment. What God said is this. What if you... What if you spent your life and just said this, I'm going to feed this new creation. I'm gonna, I, that's not who I am anymore. I can get mad, but in my anger I don't sin. Christians don't get mad. That's not what Jesus said. Jesus said just don't sin. You can think it, Buford T. Justice. Just don't say it. Does this make any sense? So if you're on the hook today, here's, here, here's your all. 
Man, it's about, it's about really, maybe for the first time, surrendering your life to Jesus. I go, God, you know what? I'm not running from sin. I'm running to you. And it, it may take me a lifetime to bear fruit. Some fruit grows slow. But you know what, God? I believe that what you're birthing in and through my life is greater than the hook of sin. Some of this may mean that God forgives you, but some of this may mean that you forgive you. Can we pray together? If you're here and you say, you know what, Pastor? Man, that's me. I'm, I'm in this space where, where I'm, I'm just not really where I'm supposed to be with God. Maybe you haven't been there in a long time. Maybe you've never been there. But if that's you, will you just slip your hand up? I just want to pray. Thank you so much. I just want to pray with you. Um, can we pray across this building for the hands that have gone up? Dear Heavenly Father, right now I ask you into my life. Let me off the hook of sin and receive the gift of salvation. Today I declare that you're my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name. But I just wonder if there are other people here that maybe you're saved, man. Maybe where you're supposed to be with God, but you've just been, you've been playing with the hooks for too long. You know what they are, man. You, you, they've just dangled in front of you maybe your whole life. And you're just wrestling in that moment of going, man, how do I really find freedom? I just want you to know that this is, this is your moment. This is your time. So if you're here this morning and you're just like, man, I'm tired of playing with stuff. I'm tired of, tired of getting on and off the, the hobby horse of the hooks of sin. Today is, is the day where I really accept the fact that I'm a new creation in Christ. You just lift your hands. I just want to pray with you across this building. Father, for every hand that goes up, God, of saying today's a new day. Today's a new declaration of my life. Father, today is the day where I push away from sin and push into the presence of God. Today's the day where, where I decide that once and for all, God, I'm, I'm going to grow fruit in a way that only you can grow, God. I, I, I'm, I'm letting you plant the things of God in the, in the soil of my heart. Father, have your will and way in those lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for being part of our Thrive Tribe. If you want to partner with this ministry and what the Lord is doing here at Thrive, visit thrivechurchonline.com and click on the Give tab. Help us reach more people just like you by rating and subscribing to this podcast. You don't want to miss what's coming next.